You are listening to From Where I Stand, a podcast produced by St. Charles Barmeo Church, Montgomery Township, New Jersey. For some, it's standing on a subway platform. For others, standing in line at the supermarket checkout. It can be on the best day you've ever had or the worst moment of your life. Or just standing somewhere, anywhere, on an ordinary Wednesday. It's the moment when you realize you are being called to some new choice, to use your life in some new way. Here at St. Charles, we know God calls us. And it's not just at a certain age or stage of life. Sometimes, in the most ordinary moment, we see life, our life, in a different way. And for most, it doesn't happen in church or a religious event. Here each week, we'll share the story of someone who has experienced that call. Their life might be just like yours, or nothing like it. But as you listen, you might find yourself realizing, I've been called too, from where I stand. My name is Maria Lobiondo, and welcome to the From Where I Stand podcast. My guest today is Antoine Hiver, and he is here to share his story about helping found the Blue Bears restaurant in Princeton that provides meaningful employment and a place of dignity to work for individuals and with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Thank you, Antoine, for taking the time to be with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here and happy to share the context and this story as well as of a story of relevance. Excellent. Well, to start, Antoine, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, a little bit. Okay, it's going to be hard. <laughs> uh, but uh, we've been 21 years in the Montgomery Township. You know, we've been, it's our story, you know, with my wife and I <clears throat> started 38 years ago when I was a young resident uh, in pediatrics and actually met good, my wife. And uh, I knew out of recognizes, recognizing complete lack of selfishness, you know, I knew right away and actually proposed the next day, you know, I was a little upset because she took three weeks to say yes, but this is <laughs> where our story started 38 years ago. Uh, we didn't have any grand plan except to carry on our life, you know, and, uh, but we ended up, you know, having six kids who were blood born. You know, the first four were born in four years, uh, just because there's a set of twins, you know, and then moved to the UK in the early 19th uh, with six kids. And then coming back from the UK, uh, we were struck by the fact that kids with Down syndrome are lovely kids very often abandoned at, li- at birth, you know, if the pregnancy is carried to its term. And um, which is rarely the case, you know, and uh, and our kids who are very often abandoned, you know, in France, half of the living kids um, with Down syndrome are abandoned. So we decided 
that instead of having a seventh kid, we actually could offer a family to one and we would do better than just doing nothing. And it would be a small increment on our own family burden and, and certainly something that even for the few years that we could provide that would be better than being an orphan. So this is where and how we ended up uh, adopting Emmanuel, uh, 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 the baby at the time in 95, um, who had Down syndrome. And, uh, and then we carried on, you know, <laughs> we, <laughs> the story comes, we moved to the US in 98 in Pennsylvania to Montgomery in 2000. The support provided for in individuals with special needs in the US, especially at school and surrounding school was phenomenal. And my wife, not work other than working at home and raising the family. So, and the, all the kids were convinced that it was very sad for Emmanuel to be destined to be alone with us when we would be grandparents and thus needed a brother. And they had a point and moving from seven to eight kids really did not mean much in currently, you know, a few percent more. So we adopted Gabrielle and then ended up adopting two more kids, you know, with Down syndrome, all four of them with Down syndrome. And that's how the context of the story is. You know, the real saint here is clearly good. She's a saint on her own terms. <laughs> so, yes. so that's the context. Wow. You know, and, uh, and no grand plan except that, you know, the circumstances of life and the, you know, we had the means, you know, we could maintain. And we believe that uh, it was the right thing to do. Uh, to offer a family. And uh, that was a blessing in return for us because it gave us much more than it <laughs> costed us. And we were very careful all along to not place a burden on our older kids uh, once we would carry their own life, that they would not be burdened by uh, these younger brothers. But actually, it turned out that it was a blessing also for, for them. And... Um, we, we, we all the kids, you know, obviously now the oldest is 35, 36, you know, and uh, she had kids on her own. And we, our own kids are very diverse, you know, from the well off to doctors and uh, <laughs> <laughs> attending physician at Chop, at Penn to whatever, you know, but also it gave us an opportunity. One of the, our kids, spouse or significant over, and I won't be specific here, was somebody who really was battered by life, you know, and, uh, you know, became orphan of both parents two years apart at the age of 10 and 12 or something like this. And then really trust uh, was shattered. And it took months and years to actually trust that love could be mm. anything in return. And then our commitment to that person, you know, and they kids, you know, they have three kids now. Well, and went beyond a transactional love exchange. Mm -hmm. It was a pure open, but again, the same kind of, you know, just doing the right thing. And then we, you know, our house burned down in 2015, you know, in Rocky, in Belmead, you know, and the community helped us. And then we landed in Rocky Hill in a place where two of our kids with eight kids or six grandkids live here. And this is the context for the Blue Bear. Wow. <laughs> And so, I told nothing about myself yet. But. <laughs> I mean, that is quite a story, Antoine. And, uh, you know, it's, 
it's really inspirational. Um, so that that gives some background for the Blue Bears. Do you still you started it with friends? I know, yes. um, and you started it so that these so that your children would have employment. Or tell me more. Yeah, I'll tell you more. You know, and before I go there, just a couple of reasons. The reason I'm a doctor, as, I, as, you, as you heard, you know, I was, I chose to be a pediatrician because the truth could be told and had to be told to parents and kids, and actually kids more than anything. And I'm a cancer doctor for kids because I wanted to fight that, you know. That old story started with, you know, with the story of Mary, a patient, you know, when I was young, resident, young, not, not resident, student, medical school students, you know. And she you know, imagine a November, you know, in 1976, you know, and, uh, and you're a young student, you know, and, and full of your belief. And then you have an old nurse who was very smart and very wise and then sent me to check on that patient. And I walk in the, I walk in the room, you know, it smells hospital, it is gray, it is wet. And I just, with a smile, ask, how are you doing? And then I was confronted with a young lady, 30, 35 years old, you know, blue eyes, blonde hair, and pictures of a couple of kids on the side table. And she had a massive chest wall recurrence of breast cancer. Mm. And obviously the question was not how are you, but who are you? Mm. And, uh, and that was a long, long time ago. And that defined for me uh, urgency in doing good. And an obligation, you know, the use of the word obligation, a moral obligation, which goes beyond religious belief, but does not, is not driven from, but it manifests itself by the moral obligation to do all what is humanly possible. And, uh, and, uh, and I applied that in my own work, you know, now I work in pharma for the past few decades, you know, and, uh, and I just was known to carry this concept of obligation and moral and perfection to the work we do because what we do matters more than who we are. And that's what essentially led us to the Blue Bears because A, we have the means and B, you know, we realize that New Jersey, and generally speaking, offers a lot until kids reach the age of 21. And after that, you're left on your home in terms of what can be offered for these individuals, in terms of work, in terms of dignity. And uh, instead of spending dollars for college, that obviously we would not follow, we decided with a friend you know, to create a place where we would provide meaningful employment and, and a place of dignity to work with individual, with intellectual and development, developmental disabilities. And that would be, and we knew out of our own experience that diversity of roles was important, but most importantly, recognizing the difference and providing respect and support and not providing charity work, but providing real work with real expectations was key to create self-esteem and, and success. And we did observe that, you know, we created these restaurants, you know, with some funding from ourselves and others. But also our friend, Chef Eric, who, you know, who, was a, who used to be the CEO of a mid-sized company here in, in New Jersey, actually an international company, loving food, nothing, nothing special with developmental disability other than knowing us. 
and then we just combine our 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 view of the world and humanity to create that place and eric runs the place and it is it is first and foremost a place where customers you know provide work for individuals and this is not the charity work meaning that we are here for the quality of experience that we can enjoy and that provides work and then the kids you know the individuals you know have real work to do and they earn real money which is the same as in the competitive market and you know we 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 launched that two and a half years three years ago and we survived covid and we are thriving back now and uh, and that's the story of the blue bears which is first and foremost a place where people like to come and what we need and want is that customer come because then work can be done and then then individuals with divisibility can demonstrate that they can work and work well you know employee number one took 20 minutes to peel a potato you know uh, at the beginning now you know he, he is you know perfectly he's like 80 85 percent of an assistant cook he can do a chef he can do like a chef a tart a quiche from scratch you know by himself you know serving and so on and so forth so they really can do but more than that, they can shine, you know, in 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 the community. I love that that they can shine in the community. I'm wondering how many um, how many people are working at the Blue Bears. So right before COVID, we had uh, 13 or 14 individuals with uh, IDD, so intellectual and developmental disabilities, working. You know, we obviously had to scale down our operations. You know, and now we are back to five on a part-time basis. And, uh, and, uh, and we have today's news of reopening coming soon, then we'll probably re-augment and we, <laughs> we uh, re-increase our, the, the number of staff that we can employ, you know, because the business will come back. Oh, definitely. Uh, people, I think, are very eager to, to, uh, to get back and do things that they enjoy doing. Um, so, Antoine, I'm wondering also um, about, you know, it, it sounds like there have been blessings and challenges even within getting this process going uh, with the restaurant, like meeting the, having the chef that was a friend of yours who agreed to, to be the chef at the restaurant. What other blessings and challenges have you found in the process? So, so the blessings are obviously first and foremost are all of these individuals very often are the youngest of the family for obvious reason, you know, and left, you know, with parents of a certain age and then was told in their own life and development, you know, I do remember one who essentially spoke barely at home uh, and, uh, and started to talk and talk because he was surrounded with co-workers and engaged in conversation with co-workers and bring that conversation back home. Mm-hmm. Another, you know, I never ever used a knife, you know, to <laughs> manage his food at home and learn how to use a knife at uh, in the kitchen. And now is perfectly fluent in using a knife and so on. And, and the list goes on. So you have this transformation, which are tangible for families who not only see the sons or daughter or, or brothers or sisters uh, grow, but they realize that the combination of respect and support, as well as demand, uh, is actually able to bring out of an individual, you know, his most shining life. 
and uh, and and it's not a matter of being valued at the second scale it's just a matter a matter of providing that so that's a clear blessing the second blessing is the 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 the, the, the experience that the customers have uh, uh, which clearly uh, is definitely because of the quality of the food we offer and uh, and the value and they're not coming because of this this is a nonprofit restaurant. You know, actually, most of them do not know we are nonprofit. They do know because we pre-open, the kitchen is open. They do know that we employ individual with IDD, but they're not coming for the charity. You know, they're just coming out <laughs> of your own experience. <laughs> but they learn and they talk and they talk about and they bring others because of the special nature and experience of what they have. And that, that is also a blessing to demonstrate that in the community, it values the difference. It still reminds me when in the early 2000, when we were not US citizen yet. And uh, so we had a green card and we wanted to actually uh, adopt the last of the, uh, of the son we adopted. And, uh, and adopting a child overseas and under green card is possible, but you have to leave the person, the adopted person, ten years before he or she can reach the U.S. So I did not accept that, obviously. So I wrote to the U.S. ambassador in France, where we adopted the kid, and explained that we wanted to adopt one more. And he wrote back and said, "Come, and we'll take care of everything." And they did. They said, gave me sealed envelopes, and then the, the, the child was admitted in the U.S. under a special order from the Secretary of State. But the interesting thing at the time, I met the ambassador. And he told me, America, this is in mid-2000, you know, America values difference. And that's what it is. You know, that's, that's a blessing of valuing the difference, but not for, uh, on the scale, but just because people are different. You know, it's the right thing to do to respect. So the, the challenges are in the nonprofit world is a business. And we were naive on some aspect that, you know, uh, that we did not realize how business-minded non-profit organization are in in sense that they are competing with one another. And um, so <laughs> we also <laughs> learned about that, um, which, is, which was disappointed, but I can understand why it is, because there's a finite amount of, you know, of support. And then, you know, when you have a new player in town, then the others find the pool a little smaller. So, <laughs> but right. you just adjust to this. Hmm. So it, it was a learning curve for you is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Okay. But I'm imagining that your experience as a pediatrician and as a cancer uh, doctor has helped you kind of see big picture um, and helped you also uh, to, to take on big challenges. Did you learn some new insights about yourself and about others? through this process. Yeah, so you're absolutely right that, you know, it's uh, taking big challenges for the right thing is something that, you know, I was not shy of. I had experience. My wife was a, was a ICU nurse and also, and, and coming from a large family, we were not shy of, you know. But the power of word, you know, the, 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 the opportunity to give back, to care, to provide support, compassion, just to do the right thing is, you know, and, and and less and being less about comforting ourselves into who we are, but just the power of love through giving, you know, without articulating the reasoning and the whys and the hows, and because you keep that for yourself, but just the power, you know, uh, with small means, just be a beacon on the hill, you know, and and try to reach, you know, who can who you can reach, you know. <laughs> 
is really, you know, um, the, the lessons that we learn. Uh, saying a beacon on a hill, of course, is uh, makes me think of St. Charles Borromeo because that, of course, is, is part of the uh, parish's um, yeah. Part of the par- parish's motto, uh, you yeah. know, to be a beacon on. A beacon yeah, yeah, and, and I admire because you know maybe you know we we don't all live by that you know with the poor, the weak, the refugees, the lawlessness, and uh, and uh, and then, but that's who this community is. Also, you know, this is what we are. You know, and that's certainly we ought to do. And then what that's what we have learned is to the power of giving, of being compassionate and caring. And, and and not assume that you know the context and the history of the of the people you don't know, but just provide care, compassion, and love. You know, it's just and, and, and respect and support the difference is essentially what it is. And it seems to me that you and your wife were able to find a, a personal way of doing it. Everybody finds their own way, but you found a very personal way in terms of adopting uh, these four children. True. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. No, it, it, I'm not sure it's, or maybe it's a way found us. <laughs> would be a more correct way of saying it. I don't think we had a grant. We ever had a grant plan, uh, but we just took life and uh, and 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 if and when we could do, you know, a little extra good. You know, it certainly uh, was has been and continues to be what we try to do. You know, but it goes back to when I met God, and I really had that flash. You know, when I saw how. Mm, Anything but self-centered she was, you know, and so it was so much lack of self selfness that you know that that is highly highly consistent with what she brought to our lives, you know. So I'm not surprised yeah. we keep doing it. But I, I want I want to clarify when you say she, are you speaking of the woman in the hospital who you? No, I'm speaking no. of my wife. No, the oh, woman in the hospital. My wife. Yeah, no, no one in the hospital, she gave me a sense of urgency that life is about not only what we do. And at that time, you know, I engaged with her out of what I could do for her. And it was mm-hmm. science and knowledge. And I realized that, you know, uh, science and knowledge, you know, has a power of action and words. Whereas, you know, the, <laughs> the wisdom of life, you know, was to be present, to be with her. And she actually mm-hmm. died two days later. Now, what I was referring to is my wife, God, you know, where she 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 has such a deep down willingness to to welcome to to not. It's not about her. It's not about her pursuit of happiness. It's just about a pursuit of, you know, out of selflessness, if I may say so. It's just just doing the right thing. Just doing the right thing. That's uh, wonderfully, wonderfully put. And 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 the belief of, of demonstrating your Christian life by just doing what you can do. Yeah. Give care, give compassion if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very inspiring story, Antoine. And I don't I thank know. You, I thank you so I thank you so much for for sharing it. Before we end our conversation, I wonder if there's any parting words you want to leave our listeners. Oh, words of wisdom. Okay. Yes, words of wisdom. <laughs> uh, yeah, sh- sure. Yeah. yeah. Be thankful, be compassionate, 
do not assume that you know the individual or the individual circumstances, especially of people you don't know, or even in people you do know. Do not judge. Do not judge, but just be compassionate regardless. That's what I would offer. Just do the right thing. Wonderful words of wisdom. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate hearing your story and and the wonderful tribute that you've given your uh, wife as well. So our guest has been Antoine Hiver, who has kindly shared his story about his journey. It has been great talking with you today, Antoine. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you, Maria. Join us next time when we hear from others how they share their story about finding their calling. And thanks for listening to From Where I Stand. The C3 Project, Creating a Culture of Calling, is a multi-denominational initiative sponsored by Vibrant Faith and funded by the Lilly Endowment. If you would like to learn more, go to www.barameo.org and click on the C3 Project tab.